Hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today on the show, Sid, formerly known as Sid the Kid. She is a songwriter, a producer, and she's a lead singer of the band The Internet. Sid is having a moment right now. She was featured in Drake's Nice For What video. Her songs have appeared on HBO's Insecure. And her group, The Internet, they're out with a new album called Hivemind. Sid first came to prominence as a part of Odd Future. It's this Southern California hip-hop collective that has made a few stars. Frank Ocean. A tornado flew around my room before you came. Earl Sweatshirt. Something sinister to it. Pendulum swinging slower degenerate. And the leader of Odd Future. Tyler the Creator. In Odd Future's heyday, the group, especially Tyler, they got a lot of criticism for lyrics that some people thought were sexist and homophobic. And Sid was in the middle of all of this. Those weren't her lyrics, but she was the only female member of the group. And there was also media speculation about her own sexuality. Sid talked to me about how she's navigated all of that then and now. And we also talked about her newest album with the internet, Hive Mind, which I got to say is this perfect chilled out R&B for a late summer drive in Southern California or anywhere you might be for that matter. As a warning, this chat includes some vulgar words a bit later. We do not bleep them. Uh, all right. With that, here's my chat with Sid. She joined me in our Culver City studios. Enjoy. seem very much like a West L.A. person. I'm a, I'm from Midtown. Where about? Like uh, Crenshaw and Venice. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was saying that because so much of the new album gives me this, like, kind of close-to-the-beach vibe. I get that. It's a vibey, flowery, <laughs> kind of breezy. It's in no hurry. Yeah. It's in no rush. Yeah. That's L.A. for sure. Right? I like that. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about it last night. They were saying they love New York because basically there's always something to do. And I was like, yeah, I get that. (laughs) Um, She said, like, in L.A., I just feel like I could just sleep all day. Yeah. Like, this song is not in a hurry. (laughs) It's It's just, like, vibe. Like, what is the vibe? Describe that vibe. Well... It just, it gave me a, a reflective vibe. I can see that. You know? So reflecting on what? Reflecting on just where we are as a, as a human race. Do you think that's a good state right now? I think it's been worse. Um, and I think it's been better. <laughs> yeah? I, I just try to look at the bright side. And, and what what we can be grateful for. Yeah. Of course, there's always something for us to work on as human beings. What are you working on right now as a human being? Uh, being more present. Yeah. Because I've suffered from depression and anxiety in the past. Really? And I think it's all brought on by either focusing too much on the past or too much on the future. So lately I've been trying to really just enjoy the moment and not be in a rush. You made a bunch of music in your parents' house coming up? Yeah. When did you start making music? Uh, 14, I started just making beats. With what With what stuff? Uh, garage band. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just had like a little MacBook. So I started playing around on there, and then slowly but surely I started buying like equipment to record other yeah. people. Yeah. Were um, you good at first? 
No. I don't think, I don't know if anybody's really good. There are probably beats that I would look back on and be like, wow, that was fire. But at the time, I thought it was trash. One song that I'm hearing all the time is Roll, in parentheses, Burbank Funk. Yeah. You know you're all over KSRW, right? Really? Oh, my goodness. They're playing this song every two hours. <laughs> what? That's awesome. And, like, this is one of the tracks on the album that's a little more up-tempo. Yeah. But it's still chill. Yeah. <laughs> which I like. We were feeling very, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word? Righteous that day. Really? Yeah. Explain this to me. Um, we made this instrumental in Burbank, hence the title. Yeah. Um, and it's Patrick pretty much made the whole thing. He gave, he came in with this drum loop that he had gotten from a folder that Steve gave him. And These then, are both guys in the group. Yeah. Okay. Patrick's the bass player. Steve's the guitar player. Uh-huh. And so Patrick came in. He was like, man, I've had to have this bass line to this drum loop. It's been stuck in my head, and he played that. And we were like, yes! <laughs> We didn't write the song, the lyrics, until we uh, rented this house in Agora Hills. So y'all are just making music all over the place. All over the place. I love that. Yeah, it was great. It was a good vibe. And just all living there for like a week and going to the store, getting groceries for a week. Chris will bake some chicken and Matt will make some pasta and we'll invite a couple of friends over and just live for a week. Honestly, for the first five days or something, we didn't make any music. Really? <laughs> we just played laser tag and, <laughs> and like, listened to music really loud, and, like, it was fire. So it seems like you all get along pretty well because you're holed up in these houses for weeks at a time. Y'all can just yeah. chill and vibe and eat no, and we, cook and be together. Yeah, we really, um, we're really friends in real life. I'm really grateful for that because yeah. throughout my whole childhood, I've, I've always been slightly an outcast in a lot of the circles that I have just found slightly? myself in. Yeah, just slightly, okay. like. Uh, I'm really shy. I was really shy, so I ate lunch by myself. But I played basketball. Okay. And so, like, I was at the basketball court every day with the boys. So the girls didn't really know me like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, middle school, I started just sitting near, like, the black kids. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just, that was, that's that's all I can really say to describe. And I started sitting around the black kids and then playing basketball still so Mm -hmm. i knew all the boys Mm -hmm. but i was always really quiet like nobody really knew me did you want to give off that vibe or do you think external forces made you quiet no i I don't know i think i'm just really shy so there's five people in this group seems as if you are not shy around the other members of the group 
Yeah. How did you get to that place with them? And how did you meet them if you're so uh, shy? So I met Matt on MySpace. Whoa! <laughs> 2008. <laughs> Throwback. Yes, like 2007, 2008. Who hit up who? I hit him up. Um, Why? He had a group at the time called the Super Three. And um, so I reached out to him. I was a fan. And I uh, just said, hey, man, like, I really like your music. Your beats are sick. Like, I'm, I, w- I wish I had a production partner, too, like, you know, because, like, my beats are cool, but I, there's always something I feel like is missing. Mm-hmm. He was like, eh, you don't need nobody. Like, <laughs> you know, keep working on it. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, a little while later, maybe like a year or two later, I became a part of Odd Future, and he was already a part of Odd Future when I oh, initially okay. hit him up. So you liked Odd Future as well? Yeah. Okay. I liked the music. It was different. Like yeah. the, the production. To have some type of knowledge, that is one perception. But knowing you own your opponent is a defeating bonus. I'm Zeus to a cronus. It, it taught me a lot about performing. I had never performed before until I started DJing for them. How old were you when you began to DJ for them? 18. How was it? It was stressful. Yeah? Because I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I, <laughs> I started DJing two months before my first tour. Okay. And just, you know, they needed a DJ and they didn't trust anybody. So I would have otherwise just been at home. You're in this group, this collective Odd Future, and like a part of whatever that family is. Like, But were you more comfortable in that setting or were you still kind of outcast, kind of shy in the way that you were in school? Was it um, different for you? No, I was still still very shy and kind of outcast. I was good at outcasting myself just by huh. being so quiet. You know okay. what I mean? And you liked that? No, I didn't. I didn't I don't know how I feel about it now. Now I don't so much mind because I have good friends. <laughs> like, okay. You know, I'm an adult. I've got those friends that I've had for a long time. I've got enough friends. And they get it. Yeah. You know, and I got my family. Like, we're good. But um, growing up, no, nah, it was um, it was more of a hindrance than anything. Being I think, quiet. Yeah, just being quiet. Sometimes being too scared to speak up and ask for things. Um but I will say that that's the reason why I probably know how to do so many different things. Because you were quiet? Yeah, I was too scared to ask somebody else, how do I do this? So I would just go learn, teach myself. All right, time for a quick break here. When we come back, more music from Sid and the Internet. And we talk about how she's handled speculation about her sexuality. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Discover. The traditional first anniversary gift is paper. Most couples aren't gifting each other stationery. But Discover is following this anniversary tradition for its new card members. At the end of your first year, Discover will match all the cash back you earned, dollar for dollar. No caps and no catch. That's a paper anniversary gift in the form of a cash back bonus. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Cashback match offer only for new card members. Limitations apply. This is Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We do long-form interviews with the people behind the best books, pop culture, journalism, and more, so you can get to know the people whose work you love. You'll find Fresh Air on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. There is this wonderful thing y'all do on the album where, like... 
these songs will kind of roll into other songs, like <laughs> right on the same track. Yeah. And I like it. There's this moment where next time becomes humble. Mm-hmm. I want to just play it so our okay, listeners cool. can hear it. So we're like in one song. Mm-hmm. I'm vibing. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm like in the car with you. Fine, <laughs> fine, fine. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, uh oh. The car turned right. Where are we going? Yeah. And then before you know it, it's a different song on the same track. Yeah. What are you trying to do there? For one, I felt like both of these songs weren't strong enough to stand on their own. Huh. Let's just put two songs together, you okay. know? Why so maybe not? I'm reading too much into it. Well, that is kind of why Next Time came after Move. Because on the end of Move, I say, Baby, next time I'll bring you flowers. So then from there, it's like, okay, next time. Okay, we have a song called Next Time. Let's, uh, and there let's, you throw go. That, let's throw that next. I love it. Do you ever hear from folks who are like, here is the deep thing I got from your music, and you're like, no. Yeah, for sure. But What's like, the weirdest interpretation of your music that you've heard from a listener or a fan? Um, well, I don't think we get anything that's really too weird. Okay. I think our music's pretty straightforward. Okay. But I think just the general consensus uh, over my career has been, um, at least with some people, that I'm like really doing this groundbreaking thing by singing songs about women and that I'm like doing it on purpose. And I'm really... Nah, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of like where you're at. Yeah, I just I I I date women, so I'm I'm well, not gonna write a song yeah. about a man. It just wouldn't be real. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and then there are gonna be folks that are gonna hear you say I date women and not be satisfied with that. Because <laughs> right. There have been times where what people do you mean have, date? Exactly. You don't love women. Like, like is there right. a label on you? Is there a label on this? <laughs> yeah. People are so, they want a label. What's your pronoun and all that? Do you do any of that stuff? No. Okay. I I typically just call myself gay okay. or Sid. Matt Matt <laughs> told me this morning, he was like, you're not even gay, you're just Sid, so like, it doesn't even matter. And I was like, cool, that, that's, yeah. that works for me. Yeah. Well, because there is a certain kind of, the culture it seems needs for people that they that are queer, however you define it, to, mm-hmm. to, to define it. What is your pronoun? What is, is it pansexual? Is it bi? Right. Is it amb? Is it this? And you, and you and a lot of other folks in Odd Future have been like, F a label. Mm-hmm. I like what I like, and if I tell you a bit about it, you'll know, and if I don't, you won't. Yeah. Do you get pushback from, I don't know, people in the LGBTQ community over that approach? Uh, in the beginning, I did. Um, because, you know, Tyler was 
thought to be homophobic. <laughs> like well, this the group was thought to be homophobic yeah. and people were always questioning how I could be a part of such a group. You know, I, I was reading, because you've talked about this before, the Odd Future and the lyrics and how people were dealing with all that. But you said before that, quote, people choose what to get offended by. Uh, why do you think people chose to get offended by some of the lyrics that Tyler was spitting with Odd Future? Um, because, you know, a lot of people have experienced um, hate by way of these words. You know what I mean? Have you? Like, uh, no. <laughs> I've steered clear to it. You know, How? like I've never, no one's ever come, yelled, yelled, you faggot at me or anything like that. No, I've I've been very lucky. I've gotten. St- I'm trying to think if I ever heard the f word. I've probably. I think I heard faggot. Yeah. I got stares. You know, like you know when you get the stares. Yeah, yeah. And that's I, I've been it. very lucky because I think for one, um, a lot of people when they see a lot of people that ignorant to 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 have people who are ignorant enough to do that usually yeah. think I'm a dude. <laughs> How does that feel? Um. I don't mind it. Okay. It's only annoying when they try to tell me that I'm in the wrong restroom. Then, then it's what like, do you do? I tell them to mind their business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. cool. You know, yeah. I get it. I'm not, I don't, I don't get mad unless they, they come at me a certain type of way. If it's somebody like, um, excuse me, you know, this is the, I say, yeah, I know. And then, oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. But. <laughs> Um, for instance, recently I was on a ferry and I was in Word the two. restroom from um, London to Ireland. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the restroom and <clears throat> I come out the stall and washing my hands. Mind you, I've already left the stall and I'm washing my hands. You're done. I'm done. Like <laughs> this woman comes out of a stall. She says, oh, this is uh, the women's room. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a woman. Yeah. And... um. Like, as I'm leaving the restroom, I'm drying my hands, and I'm walking out. Another woman comes, is leaving the restroom, opens the door, and points at the sign. Oh, come on. And like, like you can't read me, the sign. And I'm like, didn't you just hear me tell this other lady that I'm a woman? Like, mind your business. And it's okay. <laughs> like, I, like I said, like, I can't be mad at someone for making a mistake yeah. <laughs> like that, making an honest mistake. Yeah, yeah. But when it gets kind of nasty or that's not fun suspect then i then i'm gonna then i'm gonna talk you've said before in interviews that your mother wanted two girls she ended up with you and your brother taco Mm -hmm. and you say that that disappointed her that hurt my heart hearing you say that (laughs) you know i mean yeah for sure when when i was like around 18 yeah that's when i kind of started wearing more boys clothes and she didn't have a problem with me being gay at all. Really? But um, I think, and I'll let her speak for herself when I get home, <laughs> but I think that she had built this idea in her head of having two daughters in the future and going shopping with them yeah. and dressing them up in, in, in girls' clothes yeah. when they were younger and stuff, and I was never into that. I mean, now she accepts me for, for who I am. Like, she's like my biggest fan. Oh. Yeah. I love it. And she's the only one, I think, who's, like, truly honest with me, too. And I appreciate that because now, you know, sometimes it gets hard to, like, find somebody who's willing to hurt your feelings. To To help you. Yeah, to help you. 
One more quick break here in a minute. Sid's thoughts on why there are so few women producing and mixing in hip-hop today. Also, the R&B singer that she always reminds me of. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment, presenting Won't You Be My Neighbor, a must-see documentary film that examines the life and legacy of Fred Rogers, the beloved host and creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Directed by Oscar and Emmy Award winner Morgan Neville, Entertainment Weekly calls it the film we need right now. Celebrate an American icon and the triumphant tribute to kindness. Own it on digital today. Dating has never been more complicated. Trust me, I know. But our friends over at the WNYC show Death, Sex, and Money, they have been spending their summer trying to figure it all out. Host Anna Sale has been checking in with a group of listeners as they date in real time, swiping and ghosting, navigating open relationships and consent, and of course, falling hard. You can binge the entire summer of episodes at deathsexmoney.org slash hotdates. That's a great website. Uh, And you can look out for the final episode of the series on September 5th. They will check in with the summer daters to hear where they've landed. And you'll also hear some terrible dating stories that other listeners were inspired to send in. All right. Again, find the series at deathsexmoney.org slash hotdates. There are not a lot of women producing R&B or hip-hop or anything in that vein. Did you, like, in your production, in your work, how many times have you crossed paths with another woman female producer? Uh, I know. I know a few. I know quite a few nowadays. Yeah? I run into more songwriters Yeah. uh, that are women. And then I know a couple of female engineers now, too. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to advocate for more of that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Why do you think there's been a lag to get women into the production engineering side, not so much the writing, singing side? Um, To be honest, I think a lot of it is interest, just general interest. I don't think there's as many women interested in that career path. Why do you think and that maybe is? It's, maybe it's a nurturing thing. You know how it is when you grow up not thinking that something is possible because you don't see it mm-hmm. as something that's common. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's that. I know my mom wanted to be a producer. Really? Yeah. So I didn't find that out till after I had already started doing it, but huh. I always knew she loved music. And for her, you know, she's she was just like, yeah, it, it's a man's industry. And She would I, say that? Well, a man told her that. Like, when she was coming up and, like, she was sitting in on some mixing sessions, um, she told me that once one of my mentors, actually, he became one of my mentors for a little while later on, but he, she told me that one time he told her, like, this is a man's industry. Really? So, and I don't know if he said that to mean, like, you don't belong or just to say, look, there's mostly men in here. Yeah. Just a fact. Did that make you want to do this more? Um, No. The the driving force behind my desire to to make beats is just being able to take credit for for fire beats. I wanted to ask you about your influences because there are sometimes when I hear you sing and when I hear the songs where I am totally hearing and channeling one musician in particular. Uh, can we hit no? Baby, don't let me go, baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> Aaliyah. You know. I get that a lot. Baby, don't. Don't say no, babe. That sounds like Aaliyah. Everybody says that. That's crazy. <laughs> How do you feel hearing that? I'm flattered. I love Aaliyah's voice. Yeah? yeah. Were you into her growing up? Yeah. I got her greatest hit CD from the swap meet when I was a kid, <laughs> and it was it's amazing. Like... Even her, um, just like even her stuff with Genuine, like Final Warning, all, yes, the Static Major, background arrangements, yeah. Well, and you can hear, so like, she's singing. Besides, I'm saying, Aaliyah, you're singing. <laughs> the thing that I like about you and Aaliyah is that, like, there can be these moments where you're singing very delicately. But I can still hear that you're in total control of your voice. You know exactly what you're doing. There are some people where they sing a little down because they don't because they can't do more. But, like, you're doing yeah. this on purpose. And I can hear it. And it's a per- I don't know. It just works for me. Thank I like you. It. It's interesting because, like, I'm, I'm not definitely not the best singer I, I started late um, and I know a lot of singers who can only do one or the other like they can't they either can't use their falsetto or their head voice or they can't use their yeah. chest I'm better at the delicate stuff yeah You've talked before about, like, not wanting to be in the spotlight, not wanting even to have, like, pictures taken of yourself sometimes. I forget where it was, but you said, quote, I think I see myself differently than most people see me. I think everybody, for the most part, struggles with how they see themselves versus how the world perceives them. Explain that. Um, you know how it is when someone posts a picture of yeah. you oh, yeah. and you hate it and you're like, why would you post this? That's most me? pictures of myself. That's ex- that's me. Okay. So Why do you think that is the case? I think, like I said, I see myself, I see the perfect version of myself from another angle. I've never been one for attention. Like, I'm not the type to to yell in public because I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> Don't look at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. When I'm on stage, it's another story. Yeah. When I'm performing. Yeah. Um, You're a different I'm, person, kind of. Yeah. When I'm like sh- shooting a video or something, I, I, I throw this other version of myself. It's still me. It's just a side that's, I don't know. I'm more comfortable with showing to people who care. Do you have a name for that person? Mm. You know, like a Sasha Fierce going on or something. Uh, I've I've been called Frisco, the Star Child. When you're on stage, uh, or when you're at, like mostly inhabiting. just when I'm in my zone. Frisco, the Star Child, aka Sid, <laughs> uh, of Odd Future and the Internet. Thanks for being so open in this conversation. Ah, oh, thank you for having me. That was Sid from the Internet. If you haven't already, check out their newest album. It's called Hive Mind. They're also going to be on tour this fall, so you can see the internet live. Speaking of live events, uh, if you're in Los Angeles, we're coming to you on October 2nd at the Montalban Theater. Tickets are on sale right now. The link is in our episode data. Also, a reminder that this week, we're taking a break from our usual Friday wrap. In its place, you will hear not one, dear listener, but two conversations with Emmy nominees ahead of next month's awards. Talking with Brian Tyree Henry from the FX show Atlanta. He plays Paperboy on that show. 
and also Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She is Mrs. Maisel. All right, back to our regular schedule next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Talk soon.